Hey, it's time to talk sports because we have inadvertently lurched into the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. We are taking names, kicking posterior, so give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And you can talk sports with us. We'll talk about anything you want to. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Um, I guess evidently crime pays because Kansas has five level one violations against them and their coach Bill Self. And, of course, you had the academic scandal at the University of North Carolina, and they were both in the finals. So I guess that crime pays once again. What do you think, Coach Joe? You know, LSU has no more scholarship players left on their roster. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, they're, they're the example where crime doesn't pay. Uh, their coach got run out, and uh, their whole roster – Either transferred or went to the NBA. Be interesting to see how they fix that. Kansas, uh, yeah, they're they're going to have to pay for what they did. Uh, but you know, it, it's been a long time since the NCAA really brought down the hammer of, yeah. or, or or showed that they were effective in in any way, shape, or form in, in policing that sort of stuff. It's almost become moot with the new rules that are in effect. But still, you know. Uh, uh, Kansas, Bill Self, under tremendous pressure to win something after all these years, uh, he, uh, he 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 let these things happen. The, the fans don't seem to mind. Nobody seems to mind. It's oh, but the university mentioned. was pretty upset. They gave him a lifetime contract. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know the there has to be incentive not to do that. And if the only incentive is maybe you get slapped around a little bit and you have an off year while you recover. Uh, you uh, you spend that year counting your your money and the uh, and and the fans the fans live with it and they it, it's it, it can be frustrating sure it, it can be I think the you know the question you have to ask for that situation is is that's what you want as a fan as a university is that is that what you want it, and it's the people who are covering it who 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 make a lot of money from televising games like the NCAA, you know, the highest ratings for cable television ever in, in that final, they have to decide if they want to cover it honestly too. And I watched a lot of the NCAA basketball tournament. It was barely mentioned, if at all, especially during the games. It's just not something that people care enough about. I don't know why. I don't know why. We we, uh, But but it's good, good on you to bring it up because they shouldn't, they shouldn't get away with that, you know, because to me, it, if you're cheating to win, you're really not winning. But it, it's so, so much about money at that level that that's the only score that rarely matters. Well, that's true. And North Carolina's they're really smart ones because they had them red-handed, and you clearly had a coordinated effort from the top down. They'd created, you know, a, a whole curriculum of crip courses to keep athletes eligible, and I mean from the president right on down. But what they did, they were smart. They lawyered up immediately. And so the judgment that came out was, well, the NCAA doesn't really have jurisdiction because this is an academic problem. Well, not when you're keeping <laughs> athletes eligible 
yeah, th- that's why they were eligible. But, you know, it's it's one of those things, like you say, it's, it's about the money and, you know, do whatever you got to do. If you win, the wins justify the means. So that's Oh, and it's not just Kansas. I mean, we, we, throughout the SEC, I mentioned LSU because yeah. they're the worst offenders, but certainly uh, Bruce Pearl gets to do whatever he wants at Auburn because he can get him to win and, and until he doesn't. And at that point, it'll matter that the way thing, he gets things done. And uh, it's – I don't think it's as – Bad as it used to be, but it's not necessarily better either. It's just that's because uh, it's all legal now. <laughs> well, there's that. You know, there, there's that. A lot of the stuff that used to be illegal uh, is just fine now. Uh, or if you're doing it, or if you're doing it illegally, you're doing it wrong because there's plenty of legal ways now to accomplish what people used to cheat to do. It's like they say in NASCAR: if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's the way it is. Got to well, know the rules in order to break them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have former NFL and Florida Gator punter Johnny Townsend with us. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Show on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey, this is D.D. Lewis, former Dallas Cowboy linebacker, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe are in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And with us on the phone is none other than Johnny Townsend, former NFL punter. And uh, he went, in 2016, he set the NCAA all time record with a 47.9 average. And he's still a career leader at the University of Florida. Welcome to the Ozone, Johnny. What's going on? Thanks for having me. I uh, understand you got a big event going on in Gainesville a week from tonight. Why don't you tell the audience about that? I do, and it's a big one for sure. Uh, we are hosting the uh, spring game tailgate at the UF football spring game April 14th. Uh, from 3.30 to 7.30 p.m., we will be set up at the North Lawn at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Uh, we got a premier space there, tented off. we got open bars, barbecue, DJ, photo booth, and some amazing auction items. Uh, we're going to have some uh, old-time Gators there, like Coach Steve Spurrier and uh, Kyle Trask, and some more recent names. Uh, isn't Danny Werfel going to be there as well? Uh, he can't make it anymore. He was set to, but he's got to go out of town for, uh, for some business dealings. But uh, he was supposed to make it. Uh, give us an idea of some of the auction items that you have. Yeah, we got some amazing auction items. So every penny that, you know, that the event raises goes directly to Shan's uh, pediatric hospital there at, at the hospital at uf and and we have some uh, auction items ranging from traeger grill packages we got six traeger grill packages uh, we got dining packages from spurrier's gridiron grill and we have one golden item uh, it is a heisman trophy football signed by 17 heisman winners and coach steve spurrier will be there himself uh, to deliver it to auction it off so yeah, we got a couple good ones wow i'd say more than a couple man that's that is great is my man Shannon yeah. Snell going to be there? I see Sonny's Barbecue is involved in that. And uh, Shannon and I became friends. He used to be the general manager down here of Kerr's Wing House in Lakeland. And uh, now I know he's with Sonny's Barbecue and has really done well up there in Gainesville. Yeah, so Shannon's a gator, and then he'll be supplying all the barbecue for us at the event. So, you know, we're happy to work with him for sure. Our guest tonight, Johnny Townsend, great gator punter. Uh, 682-1430, if you want to join us, 682-1430. We're talking about the upcoming Swamp Alumni Tailgate uh, coming up next Thursday uh, afternoon uh, prior to the spring game. 
where uh, Ronnie Ronnie's going to be there, uh, Johnny. Uh, get him, save uh, one of those uh, dining packages for me since I got to be up here to do the show. <laughs> uh, maybe you can send in a bid by mail or something. Uh, but uh, actually, yeah. Go We're going to work all that out. We're actually going to set up some online bidding sites. Uh, I'm going to get all the information out in the next couple of days. But uh, for people that can't attend and would love to know, support Shans and the foundation and, and secure some really cool auction items, uh, we're going to have a link coming out in the next couple of days. Oh, so. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, let, if you When you have the link, let us know, and we'll certainly try to advertise it as best we can. And uh, I might I might just have to make a bid. Uh, I have yet to go to Spurrier's. Ronnie's been there about 27 times since it opened. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the coach was actually on our show back back in September, uh, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. But you know, I want to talk about when you were uh, playing for the Gators. It was uh, 2016 was a pretty good season. Uh, you know, when you're going through that, you, uh, Jim McElwain was coaching. Everything seemed to be going so well that year, and then the next year, not so well. Can you kind of give us maybe an inside uh, feel for whether you now looking back could say, "Uh oh, we we were." we were our foundation wasn't solid or something was about to go wrong or could you tell you know it, it's tough to sometimes because when you uh go to the university of florida and you look around that locker room every single year you guys have athletes that can win you a national championship um you know some of the guys that i just you know sat next to in that locker room through my career there uh, from 2013 to 17 we had some you know unbelievable special talent um and, you know i think we could have gone a lot further than we did in, in my time there but um, you can really never tell. You know, the SEC is such a tough conference to play in. You know, if, if you lose one game, it kind of snowballs, and it's really kind of, you know, tough to jump back on the wagon there. But, um, you know, you really can't predict those things. They just kind of happen, and, and you blink your eyes, and, you know, you're in the hole. It's sort, something similar seemed to happen to the Gators this past season in 2021. Things started the year. Nobody expected it to be uh, a bad year, and then the bottom fell out. Uh, looking back on this past season, uh, with your insight into into Gator football, is there an explanation that we can latch on to as to what went wrong? You know, I really can't. I wish I had the insight. I think the world of Coach Mullen, I think he's an unbelievable football coach. And, um, you know, I think he's the right fit for that program at the time. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's just tough to win. There's always going to be the ups and the downs. And, and you know, we have a pretty hostile fan base. Uh, a little it or bit. Not. <laughs> we hear from it from time to time, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real short leash on uh, some of these coaches in Gainesville. But, um, yeah, we got a hostile fan base. You know, I wish we you know let these coaches have the chance, you know, ride some of the highs and lows and, and build a team and build a culture and, and uh, you know, kind of restore that winning culture that Florida's, you know, traditionally known. So, um, yeah, man. You know, I'm always reminded every time I hear somebody talk about that, about fan bases, I'll never forget. We had Irk Russell, who was the legendary coach for Georgia. He was their defensive coordinator, and then he took over the Georgia Southern program. And he told the story about the college coach that was hired, and they said, Coach, said we're behind you, winner tie. And I, I don't think that's changed very much. Uh, you know, if you lose, hey, man, you're stupid. But if, if you win, well, we won. You lost. We won. You know, one of the things uh, I think one of the myths about punters is that you're not athletic. And uh, I was looking at some of the things that you did, and I know you and uh, Tommy both had some long runs. But in 2018, you had a 42-yard fake punt run against the Chargers. What do you remember about that? Oh, man, you know, when stuff like that happens, you kind of black out in the moment. Because, you know, as a punter, you don't get many opportunities to do stuff like that. And when you do, you got to capitalize because, you know, 
it's, it's a make or break kind of moment there for your career. But yeah, I got to run with one and uh, I hit like 20 point something miles per hour. And at the time, <laughs> at Next the time it was a, uh, it was the top three fastest breakaway play all season, uh, faster than Alvin Kamara, faster than like any of the running backs. And yeah, what they had clocked me at, that was just really funny to see that, seeing a punter running that fast. Well, Usain Bolt wants to uh, match race against you from what I understand. <laughs> Yeah, he's been trying to race with me for a while. <laughs> no, but yeah, we always take pride in our athleticism. You know, Tommy especially as well. Um, you know, when dating back to our Florida days, when uh, they'd have us compete in the agility drills, um, and you know, I'd go up against guys like Vernon Hargraves and Antonio Callaway, and and um, you know, we I would win a lot of those agility drills and sprint drills. So yeah, I took a lot of pride in my athleticism and speed for sure. Did you ever have any passes out of fake punt that you completed? Uh, I had a shovel pass. Uh, to Taven Bryan, uh, who is a uh, oh, yeah. first-round defensive yeah. lineman. And he ended up fumbling it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forget. I think it was 2015. I can't remember what year it was, but he came underneath on a field goal and I did a little shovel pass and ended up fumbling the ball. Um, but I never got to throw it. Never got to throw it any. <laughs> do you yell, those hands belong on a clock? <laughs> <laughs> we had one fake against Missouri, and uh, we had been practicing it for months. And every day we leave practice and say, this isn't going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> um, so I was down in the holding position, and I call an audible. And I basically just stand up into a quarterback shotgun position. And at that moment, the entire defense fanned out into zone defense, and I stood no shot of completing the pass. <laughs> so, I just, <laughs> so I just stretched the play, stretched the play, and then ran it and got stuffed. But, uh, yeah, Coach McElwain had shown the fake run successfully at Colorado State, but that's just a different conference. Uh, it's not the SEC, so we didn't pull it off. <laughs> Our guest tonight, Johnny Townsend. Uh, Johnny went to Boone High School. This is the same one that uh, Daryl Dawkins went to, wasn't it? No, I think he went to Evans. It was it Evans or Boone? Okay, I think he went to Evans. Ah, it wasn't you know Darryl Johnny? Dawkins. You're I too, don't actually. You're I probably too know. young for that. But yeah, <laughs> well, actually, like, who's Daryl Dawkins? <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, Jeremy Brown. If you remember Jeremy Brown, he went to Boone. He was a Florida Gator cornerback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I do. Jeremy Brown. Yeah, he was a couple years ahead of me. Uh, you know, you know, it's, uh, in the NFL, it seems like you know, punters are hired guns, basically. But uh, as as somebody who's who uh, is expected to be ready to be called by a team at any moment, or or be on a team and then be let go a couple weeks later, I guess as a punter, kind of kind of tell us what that's like and how you prepare. Yeah, so you got to always be ready. Um, I experienced that firsthand this year. I played for four different teams. Um, and I remember sitting uh, when I left the Ravens to go to the Titans. I was just sitting in my room in Baltimore, and my agent called me and says, hey, what are you doing in an hour? I said, uh, nothing. Yeah. He goes, all right, well, I got you Got you a flight to Nashville. Pack your bags. You're going to play for the Titans. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I left, left my apartment, packed my duffel bag, and jumped on a plane an hour later. So it can be a hectic life, you know, being a free agent punter. Um, they only carry one on every team, and there's a lot of transition. So a lot of bouncing around. Well, when – in terms of working out as a punter, kind of give us an idea of what, what that is. How many times do you kick? And, and the, what kind of different techniques do you use in punting? Because it's not just what, what we imagine. You hold the ball up and kick it as far as you can. There's, there's, it's a lot more specialized than that, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, a lot goes into it more than people think. Um, what I can compare it to is being a pitcher. Um, you know, you can only go out and throw so many fastballs before your arm starts to get tired. Um, you know, you can't go out and just kick all day. And some of these old school coaches kind of think, you know, oh, you're just a punter. You know, you can kick every day. It's it's not really how it is anymore these days. So 
Um, but yeah, it's very technical. Uh, it's like a golf swing. You have a bunch of different clubs in your bag and, um, you can pooch it for, you know, when you're close to the end zone and create different back spins. And, and then also with different winds in the open field, you can, you know, hit spirals that fade and hit spirals that go different directions. And there's all sorts of stuff that, you know, the naked eye can't really see. You know, you also mentioned about being a holder and holders and long snappers are never noticed until you make a mistake. Talk a little bit about what goes into working with the kicker. And I guess you work with both kickers, probably two kickers in practice. So even kicker-wise, there's only one on every any, every NFL roster. No, I mean um, in nowadays college. They, oh, in college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, yeah, in college, it's, it's like that as well. It's, it's very technical as a holder, too, because, you know, you're getting the snap. you got to get the laces out. Then you got to place the ball down on a spot about the size of a dime. And uh, if you're off by, you know, half an inch or a quarter of an inch, it can affect the entire ball flight uh, of the kick. Um, and I had the chance to hold for Justin Tucker in the NFL, who is the best kicker in NFL history um, already. Um, Going to be a Hall of Famer. And just being able to hold a football for a guy like that, you see how important your role is uh, that most people just don't see. You know, we had uh, Shane Edge on here. And uh, I don't know if you remember this. In 1993, the Gators played Georgia in Jacksonville in a pouring rainstorm and the Gators kicked several field goals. And when we had Shane edge on here, we said, how did you, how did you do that? You were the holder. He said, well, he said, I actually broke the rules. He said, what he did was he made a little mound out of the mud. So they were able to kick off of a tee. He said, I can, I can say that now the statute of limitations has expired. Yeah. It's the best way. It's like in golf, you know, you just kind of pound. And when you make a tee out of the ground, you just pound the ground, make a little mound to put it on there. <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, exactly. Johnny, uh, you, you kicked in places like Kansas City, Tennessee, Baltimore, Baltimore. And, and the Giants. Yeah, the, the the worst place to kick of those four, because none of them none of them seem like they're good places to kick. Oh, they're, they're all tough. They're all tough to kick in. Um, you know, some of the windiest games I ever played in uh, – was against the Browns in Cleveland. They have just a, you know, kind of a wide open stadium there, and on the water it's nasty. The wind is ripping through there, and it's always cold. It always seems to be cold. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some you know, coming from the SEC. We're kind of, uh, you know, I love the heat. You know, playing in the swamp is you, know, you got the sun shining and it's fairly calm. And then you go to some of these NFL conferences like you know the a- NFC North, and you're playing in some of those, in some of those divisions. It's it's tough. It is tough. That's for sure. Johnny, talk a little bit about the difference. You mentioned it in kicking a cold football or wet football and when, when it's warm. Yeah, so that you can definitely, you know, feel a difference off your foot and the ball flight too, um, you know, because those footballs, they, they have bladders in them that are rubberized and, and they flex so much more when they're in the heat and can go so much higher and further. Um, so, you know, when you are playing in those cold games, you have to change your technique. And um, one thing that me and Tommy worked on today, we're up in Nashville training. It's a little cold, a little windy. Uh, we hold the football a little bit lower. We swing a little bit less and just focus on good contact. Um, so there's definitely mechanics to it. Johnny, we just got a little bit of time left. How can someone buy tickets to your fundraiser next Thursday night? Yeah, so please check out uh, social media. Go to Johnny Townsend Foundation on Facebook or Johnny Townsend Foundation on Instagram. Or just go to my Twitter, at Johnny Townsend, and there's links to all of the websites. There's uh, all the flyers about the event and all the information you need to show up. Uh, we're going to have open bars, barbecue, a DJ, amazing auction items, and it all benefits Shan's Children's Hospital. So hope you guys can make it. Oh, you can't beat that. I've got four tickets already, so I'm ready to go and uh, 
bringing some friends with me, and we're really looking forward to it. And uh, can't wait to see you guys, and please tell Tommy and the rest of your wonderful family I said hello. Yeah, it'll be great to catch up with you. I'm excited you'll be there. All right, fantastic. Johnny Townsend, great Gator, great NFL punter. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk 40, 96.7 WLKF. Hey, let's get back and talk some more sports. I think baseball season starts tomorrow. They are the boys of summer. This is the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And in the Masters, Japan's Sun JM, five under par, leads the field by a stroke. Uh, Cameron Smith gets four under, and then you got four guys tied at three under, including Dustin Johnson and Scotty Scheffler. As we mentioned, or I guess as you probably already know, Tiger Woods shot one under par today. And, uh, you know, I thought it was so funny. Rick Riley, that used to write for Sports Illustrated, wrote this. He said, not to spit in your ice cream, but Tiger Woods was going nearly 80 miles an hour out cold when he crossed two lanes of traffic, flipped a median strip, and two lanes of oncoming traffic, and he never got a ticket. He said, now tell me about all he's been through. Oh, and he also smashed into a tree. I thought that was pretty funny. He's the only one that has said anything like that. And one of the things that always makes me angry is there's the only thing I heard today about the Masters, Tiger Woods shot one under par today. He was great. He's four shots off the lead. I mean, that's that can be overcome because the course will jump up and bite you, and uh, that happens frequently. I mean, the first-round leader, that doesn't mean that much, but – He's still four under the leader, and that's all they talk about is Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods. So, anyway, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Coach Joe, what you got on your mind? Well, we thank Johnny Townsend for a really great segment. Uh, The Swamp Annual Tailgate It's next Thursday. Uh, It starts at 3.30 on the North Lawn of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in advance of the big Gator Orange and Blue game, which is on a special Thursday night edition of the Orange and Blue game. Uh, in this this week, I guess, with the Easter coming up, with it being Holy Week, of course you're going to have the Orange and Blue game <laughs> yeah. during Holy Week. So uh, be sure to check that out. At, at Johnny Townsend 1 uh, on Twitter, at J-O-H-N-N-Y-T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D-1. Uh, it's uh, it'll be really terrific. Yeah, you know, uh, Ronnie, uh, you and I were together a little while, uh, a little while earlier today, and uh, when the heavens opened up here in Lakeland, <laughs> and the deluge came, a lot of that was in Augusta yesterday, and it, it supposedly softened up the course, but they used that subterranean system now and drained, it, and it's still pretty hard to play. And with the wind starting to kick up, usually somebody goes out really low in a tournament. Uh, Singsha Kim Im uh, managed a uh, 67, uh, which was the low round of the day. But that's usually somebody goes lower than that, at least early on. This is probably going to be one of those masters where the scores aren't going to be really terrific. Uh, you know, somebody, they'll be under par. I don't think it'll be like two, 2007 where Zach Johnson won with an over par score. But with the wind blowing tomorrow and the weather getting cold after that in Augusta, the course isn't going to play that easy. Guys are having trouble reaching the, some of the par fives and two that they used to reach easily. Uh, they lengthened a number of the holes, 
it, that even the biggest hitters like Dustin Johnson, I'm seeing him laying up, and I'm, it's just amazing to, to, to watch. Uh, so uh, it's going to be an interesting tournament. Uh, Tiger's biggest issue for him is going to be his stamina. He looked good today. He played pretty well. Uh, there was only a couple of times where it looked like his legs gave out on him. It is a miraculous story uh, akin to what Ben Hogan did coming back to win the U.S. Open after his traffic accident in 1949. And if Tiger does come back uh, to contend, that would be pretty remarkable, just the fact that he's playing. Uh, in terms of the, the best players out there right now, Cameron Smith coming off the Players' Championship victory, you got to like his chances. He had a really interesting round, Ronnie. He opens the tournament with a double bogey on the first hole. He closed his round with a double bogey on the 18th hole. He made eight birdies in between. <laughs> <laughs> that is strange. Crazy stuff, but he is he's the kind of streaky player. Watch out for him. No doubt. On this date in 1957, Doug Ford won his only Masters, three strokes ahead of three-time champion Sam Snead. And in 1958, the Dodgers erected a 42-foot screen in left field when they played in the L.A. Coliseum to cut down on home runs because it, it was never designed to play baseball there, but it was only 250 feet down the line about in about 900 field. feet to right. Yeah, 440 <laughs> in right field. And they had a guy named Wally Moon. And he worked with Stan Musial because he had been with the Cardinals, and he learned to hit the ball to left field. And he used to hit a lot of home runs there, and uh, they called them moonshots. And uh, <laughs> uh, he was the 1954 Rookie of the Year. And uh, we 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 talked about Jackie Robinson some today. He was the very first Rookie of the Year back in 1947. That was when the inaugural year that they had that in 1963. The 27th Masters, Jack Nicklaus won the first of his six green jackets with a three-foot par putt on the final hole to edge out Tony Lima. You know, it's interesting that ESPN has all of the – they used to make these one-hour highlight films of the Masters every year, and ESPN has them all going all the way back to 1960. And it looks like a completely different game back then. I watched a couple of those. It's fascinating. But it's it's incredible how much different the game looks now than it, than it did. How different the course looks now than it did. Hey, you know, I saw Nolan Ryan pitch once before they redid uh, uh, Pro Player Stadium, uh, Dolphin Stadium. Uh, they hosted some baseball before they got the Marlins. They hosted some baseball games there, so the stands weren't built for baseball, just like in the Coliseum. So they did the same thing. They put up a giant a giant fence there. It was only about <laughs> 200 feet or something ridiculous to left. But uh, even the, still, I, I got to see Nolan Ryan pitch, and he didn't give up anything. <laughs> I, he really do, does throw hard. It, it, the TV doesn't do it justice. That was, that was a, a great highlight for me, getting a chance to see him pitch. My, one of my favorite teams growing up was the Dodgers, and they used to play here on Wednesdays when they played the Tigers back at Old Henley Field. And the bullpens were right along the first and third base side. And <clears> – <throat> My parents, if I made good grades, would let me skip school that day, and um, the statute of limitations has expired <laughs> on that, right? <clears throat> that was 128 years ago, so I think maybe I'm Those truant officers now. are relentless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I got to stand there, and I was like three or four feet away from Don Drysdale. And I don't, you know, I was probably 10, 12 years old. And a human being that big that threw that easily and threw that hard, I can still remember that baseball just whistling through the air, and it wasn't coming straight. You know, just shoop, and then it popped the catcher's mitt, 
and he just threw it so easily. I mean, he was six foot six, so you know, he was a big guy to start with. And you know, back in the day, with him, Gibson, and some of those guys, you didn't go in there and dig in like they do now. And the bat flips and that kind of stuff, <laughs> man, you you better have a good dentist because you're going to lose some teeth the next time you come up there. You try that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I just saw this on um, uh, YouTube or one of those where the University of Houston was playing Sam Houston State, and uh, the the guy, the Houston batter, hit a three-run homer to put him ahead. You know, they were losing to their cupcake that they were playing, and I guess he must have said something. He flipped his bat, and then when he went around first base, he fell down and hurt his shoulder. (laughs) And uh, so he's going around the bases, and you could tell either the shortstop or second baseman said something to him, and he, he wanted to react angrily, but he was hurting from when he had fallen. So he gets back in the dugout. Well, the next guy gets one under the chin, and the, the benches start to empty, but I think they thought better of it, and they didn't they didn't empty the benches. But, you know, back in the day, that's what exactly what would have happened with Gibson, Drysdale, any of those kind of guys. Yeah, you know, I grew up watching teams – play and and my favorite baseball team was the Dodgers growing up I I was explaining this to to Alex that back in the prehistoric times you know you you liked a team like the Dodgers out of Los Angeles and they played their games at 10 30 at night yeah and you know you were long in bed before the game started and you look in the paper the next morning you wouldn't have their score (laughs) because it it ended too late and there was no I had to explain this to her there's no ESPN there's no (laughs) there's no cable there's no way to find out there's no I can't pick up a smartphone or get on the internet. Literally, no way to find out the score till the very next day yeah. when they had the day before scores on there. I remember in 1963, the Dodgers were playing a critical series. Back then, you had one winner in the American League, one in the National League, and the Dodgers were playing the Cardinals, and they might have been tied. And it was real late in the season, and I had a little transistor radio, and I was I found the game on KMOX out of St. Louis. And, you know, it was real staticky, but every now and then it'd be real clear. And I was laying in bed. I was supposed to be asleep. And uh, I was laying in bed listening to it. And it'd be static, and you hear the home crowd cheer, and you knew that was bad for the Dodgers. And uh, the Dodgers ended up sweeping that series. I think Koufax won one of the games, and then uh, I think Drysdale won one. And then they had a seemed like a rookie or I can't remember one of their lesser pitchers. might have been Sutton won that um third game for him and had a guy named Dick Nin who never did anything else but he hit a two-run homer to win that third game of that series and the Dodgers swept him and uh I just yeah. remember laying there in bed listening to that yeah it was it was be fun to listen to, to games on the radio because uh, they sure weren't on tv you know one uh, finally 1981 after rooting for the Dodgers throughout the 70s in 1981 I'm, I get to go to California and get to Los Angeles and we're only there like a night or so, but I'm going to Dodger Stadium. I, you know, Fernando there, Mania. Yeah, he was pitching that night too. <laughs> and wow, the place was packed. It, and, you know, my parents didn't want to go. I ended up taking the rental car by myself, you know, 17 years old, driving driving through a strange city, <laughs> no GPS or anything like that. <laughs> Chavez Ravine. I had to figure it out. And I, uh, I found it, you know, got there. I uh, had a great time watching the game. I learned a, one hard lesson I learned, especially with a rental car. Make note of where you park. <laughs> After the game, I was sitting around waiting for the place to clear out because I had no idea where my car was. I'd forgotten what it looked like because it was a rental. <laughs> you know, I had um, I took my kids out to Los Angeles, and we went to a Dodger game. And 
the pitcher was a guy named Ishmael Valdez. And, oh, I remember him. Uh, he had a perfect game through like eight innings. And my daughter, she was young. She's probably eight or nine years old. She wasn't very interested in it. Come on, Dad, let's go. Come on, Dad. No, we can't leave. We can't leave. And some guy broke up the no-hitter. He had a little – he just barely touched the ball, but it got far enough out in front of the plate that he was able to get to first base. And I think that was the only hit of the game, if I remember right. I, we ended up leaving. I finally gave in after that. But uh, I, I remember she was ready to go. You know, she'd already had her Dodger dog. I'd bought her a Dodger hat. So, you know, that's it. I have my Dodger dog. I'm ready to go. Now, the stadiums didn't have all those games and, and entertainment for the young kids like they do now. That's the other thing that's yeah. new. There's plenty of ways you can walk around and still see the game. You don't have you don't have to just sit in your seat or anything like that. Boy, I tell you, it's it, Modern amenities are, are amazing. Uh, maybe, who knows, maybe the the Rays will have a modern stadium that's in Hillsborough County that'll be easy to get to so we can go <laughs> to more games. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we just might have that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. That'll go to our sports quiz winner. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey, this is Doug Johnson, former NFL and Gator quarterback. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe, they are the hot stuff tonight in the Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Speaking of hot stuff, we got hot stuff for you right out at Miller's Lakeland Ale House, 5650 South Florida Avenue. And all you have to do to get $30 worth out there drinking, eating, whatever you want to do, is answer this question if you haven't won in the last six months. And we're going to give you two questions tonight. We're going to make it real easy. It's an either-or. All right, which NFL team was originally the Titans? Was it the Jets or the Giants? And here's the second question. Which batter hit into the most triple plays in Major League history? Was it A, Brooks Robinson, or B, Frank Robinson? 682-1430. 682 1430, and you could be going out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House to eat and drink $30 worth on us, and you can take advantage of those 40 strategically located television sets. And I'm telling you, their food is awesome out there. So give us a call, 682 1430. There you go. Check this out. This Buccaneers quarterback was an NCAA national champion. The first overall pick in the NFL draft, and he threw 35 interceptions in an NFL season. Oh. <laughs> that was a clue on Jeopardy uh, the other night. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the FSU quarterback, wasn't it? Yeah. Who is yeah. Jameis Winston? Uh, Jameis Winston. I hear he's doing. He's rehabbing nicely. Should be back for the Saints this coming year. We'll have that'll be an interesting division with Tom Brady and uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, but but uh, Matty Ryan leaving the Atlanta, and yet now he's the Colts quarterback. Yeah, I think he took a lot of blame for something that wasn't really his fault. You know, it was too bad. Um, you know, I remember watching that Super Bowl when they blew the 25-point lead, and Arthur Blank, the owner, came down there, and he's dancing around on the sideline. And I'm thinking, you know what? That kind of attitude can is can be contagious. And I think the Falcons were kind of getting into it and trying to ho- pose, and how am I going to hold the trophy, and – you know, I can't wait. We're going to have a, a parade down Peachtree Street, and that suddenly Brady you. happened. Yeah, it always gets you when you start looking to the finish line when you still got a quarter plus to go. You the rabbit in the hair, huh? Yeah. I mean, he, the, the turtle, tortoise in the hair. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, New England is not going to, going to quit. They're going to come back, and you have to be ready to take take their punch. And what, since they had gotten themselves into celebration mode, when things suddenly got tough, they didn't know what to do and couldn't respond. And it was a perfect recipe for disaster. But twenty eight to three, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe they had too big a lead. Yeah, you had to think it was over at that point. Well, give us a call six eight two fourteen thirty. And you could win that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. Which NFL team was originally the Titans? Was it the Jets or the Giants? Or which batter hit into the most triple plays? Was it Brooks Robinson or Frank Robinson? It's an either-or. It's like true-false. Give us a call, 682-1430. You got two questions. That's easy. Come on, 682-1430. Call in. There's got to be somebody that's hungry and thirsty out there. Just, There's got to be. Just hitting into any triple play ever yep. <laughs> is, is rare. So probably whoever has that record probably hasn't hit into that many. I'll never forget. I had an ex-brother-in-law, and his job was with Delta Airlines flying the Atlanta Braves around the country. And uh, his goal in life was to get me on a sports trivia question. So he got Skip Carey to give him a question. He said, i got to have a question that nobody's going to get. He said, okay. He said, what's the only unassisted triple play in World Series history? And so when he came into my ex-wife's house, he was just dancing. He couldn't wait. He said, all right, I got one for you. And he threw that out there. And before he even finished, I said, Bill Womgans, 1920. (laughs) Oh, he was just so disappointed that he thought he had me, but no. Well, he should have known better than to ask about a game that you were at. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. I played in that game. Did you really? Yeah, I pinch ran in that game. Oh man, man, yeah, that that's pretty. They needed cool. some popcorn, and I ran and got the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we got to have somebody that's hungry and thirsty out there. Nobody's called into acid. The Jets or the Giants, right? They used to yeah. be. They were originally named the Titans before right. they changed their name. Right. Yeah. Six eight two fourteen thirty, and you know that shows you just how little creativity there is in some of these these teams. Now you got the Tennessee Titans. You know, it's, hey, wait a minute, I can't think of a name. Eagles. Um, well, that's taken. Um, about Golden Eagles or <laughs> wait a minute, there used to be somebody called the Titans. Let's use that one again. Okay, let's do that. Houston did the same thing. The Texans. Uh, they yeah. took the name of the original Dallas Texans right. and became the Kansas City Chiefs. It's uh, you know the problem is. Now that you're trying to please so many people, it took two years for Washington to come up with the nickname Commanders. Yeah. <laughs> it took how, however many years for Cleveland to come up with the nickname Guardians. I hope they, they didn't an insurance pay anybody company? a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I hope they didn't pay anybody a lot of money. So Somebody made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. 682-1430. Give us a call. Come on. We got to have a winner. We must have a winner. It's absolutely mandatory that we have a winner. And, uh, it's a toss-up, one or the other. It is, 50-50. Come on. Weren't you in school? Didn't you have true-false questions? Here you go. One NFL team was originally the Titans. Was it the Jets or the Giants? And which batter hit into the most triple plays? Was it Brooks Robinson or Frank Robinson? They were teammates in Baltimore. For they a were. Bit. Yeah. Uh, they, they were. Now, now, Frank Robinson was with Cincinnati before he was with Baltimore, right? Right. Yeah. And he was MVP in the National League, and then he became MVP in the American League, and they traded him for Milt Pappas. 
Yeah. <laughs> Seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> yeah, it did. Pappas was a pretty good pitcher. And I actually knew Milt Pappas's son. He used to be a, a coach here. And he used to actually come in and sit right where you're sitting. He used to come in and co-host with me. Um, on some of the shows, cool. But I don't think he lives here anymore. It's you know it's, today it's supposed to be an opening day for a baseball. But the Red Sox and the Yankees game was rained out. Yeah. I guess they'll play it tomorrow, and then there'll be a whole bunch of games tomorrow. Uh, but speaking of trades, Austin Meadows get traded to the Tigers. Yeah, I didn't understand that yeah, one. But I don't get I've that learned either. not to question the Rays. Yeah, <laughs> they always seem to know what they're doing. Well, we're getting down to the wire. We got somebody that's hungry and thirsty. Wayne, how are you tonight? <laughs> Doing good, just heading to work, and I, I don't have a clue, but I thought I'd give it a go. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, when you, it's it's obvious when the when you get the answer. So, uh, so give it a go, give it a shot. When you can do this, man. Go ahead. Uh, I was I was thinking the Giants. Oh, you said the Jets. That's right. <laughs> you said the Jets. I knew you wanted to pick the Jets. So you're right. And we're going to let you win because we're at the end of the show. and We'd like to give it away. So, oh, man, you guys are great. Well, Good hang job, on the man. line, and Eric will get your information. And uh, be careful because he'll also get your wallet if you, you let him. But <laughs> So thanks for listening. And congratulations. And uh, hang on the line. Eric will get your information. Okay.